0: Death is the new Republican badge of honor. In his State of the Union address, President Biden noted, so some of my Republican friends want to take the economy hostage. I get it, unless I agree to their economic plans. All of you at home should know what those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. At which point, Republicans in the audience started shouting, booing, stomping their feet, and yelling, liar! They were, of course, trying to keep up the pretense that they actually support Medicare and Social Security, programs the GOP has been openly and enthusiastically trying to kill off since their inceptions in 1966 and 1935, respectively. But that's not the worst of it. The actual plan to sunset Medicare and Social Security had been proudly published a year earlier by Florida Republican State Senator Rick Scott as part of his 12-point plan to rescue America, or at least to rescue American millionaires from having to pay taxes to support programs for the little people. It required all federal programs to sunset after five years unless Congress specifically renewed them, including Medicare and Social Security. Scott dropped that provision a few weeks ago after Biden called him out on it. But that's not the worst of it either. The Affordable Care Act passed in 2010, the year that Rick Scott was elected governor of Florida. He'd recently come off a gig as CEO of hospital giant Columbia HCA, which saw his company convicted of the largest Medicare fraud in the United States history, a fraud that Scott apparently oversaw since 100% of it happened on his watch. The company paid a, an $840 million criminal fine. Corporations can't go to jail, and wealthy CEOs rarely do. And the company's board forced Scott out as CEO, but only after he'd walked away with nearly million million that he used in part to fund his campaign for governor. That's also not the worst of it. Charlene Dill lived in Rick Scott's Florida and was working several part-time jobs, house cleaning and babysitting. She'd added a gig selling vacuum cleaners, struggling with medical debt from a heart condition while parenting three young children. As her best friend Kathleen Voss Woolridge wrote at the time and later told me in a phone interview for my book, The Hidden History of American Healthcare*. Quote, she paid her property taxes and took care of her little trailer, which she owned, and got all three of her kids to school and daycare. She was a very responsible person. As Woolrich noted, after feeling pain in her chest, quote, She went to the emergency room in 2012 and was told she had heart issues and needed monitoring and medication. But the Florida Republican Party and Governor Rick Scott had turned down $51 billion in federal dollars for Obamacare's Medicaid expansion, so she had to work extra to pay for the meds and the ER was her doctor's office, end quote. But that, too, wasn't the worst of it. On March twenty-first, 2014, Charlene was going to get together with Woolrich and her daughter, who'd essentially grown up with Dill's kids. But first she had to earn a few more dollars to pay for her heart medication, which she'd been cutting back on because of its cost. Medical debt was really making life hard for her. The Affordable Care Act would have paid for Charlene's doctor's visits and medications, but then Governor Rick Scott was particularly incensed by that process, backed and refused throughout every day of his eight years as governor to expand Florida's Medicaid system under Obamacare, even though the federal government would have paid 90% of the cost. So after spending a day cleaning houses, Charlene headed out to a lead in Kissimmee, a small town near her trailer near, near Orlando, where a family had indicated an interest in buying a rainbow vacuum cleaner. In the middle of the sales pitch, her heart stopped, and in the early evening of March 21, 2014, she fell over unconscious. The family she was visiting called an ambulance, and Charlene was taken to the Poinsettia Medical Center, but she was already dead at age 32. I am burying my best friend because Governor Rick Scott and the policies of the Republican Party, Kathleen Voss Woolrich wrote. She is one of the seven people who will die each day because the Florida House of Representatives, Republicans, and the Tea Party decided that we are not, not worth living. We are not worth health care. We are not worth Medicaid expansion. Woolrich added, I'll never have her back. I'll never see my friend again. I'll never have another day with her because of the Florida Republicans. Okay. But that wasn't even even but even that wasn't the worst of it. Washington Post staff writer Andrew Van Dam, who writes the Department of Data column for that paper, discovered that states across the Deep South and Oklahoma and Missouri have among the lowest credit ratings in the country. Not the states themselves. Their citizens have the lowest credit ratings in the nation. Van Dam looked for correlations that may suggest why this was the the case, but couldn't come up with any. It wasn't poverty. Other parts of the country had poverty just as bad as parts of the South, but their people had better credit ratings. And it wasn't race. Other parts of the country had black and other minority populations in similar proportions to parts of the South, but their citizens' credit ratings were just fine. It was a mystery and an expensive one. When your credit rating is low, anything that requires the use of credit costs you more. It's like a punishment on top of a crisis. With a low credit rating, your car loan costs more because the interest rate is higher. Ditto for your mortgage and its interest rate. Even renters pay a higher rate when they have poor credit, a practice justified by landlords to, quote, cover the cost of deadbeats who skip the last month's rent payments, end quote. Credit card companies charge more. Banks charge more. Everybody, it seems, wants to stick it to people with low credit ratings. Payday lenders and pawn shops prey on them. It's punishment. Trying to figure out what was driving the lousy credit ratings across the South, even in economically vibrant areas like Atlanta or Miami, Van Dam writes that he reached out to Urban Institute economist Breno Braga. While Braga didn't mention Charlene Dill, he immediately pointed to the same crisis she faced after her heart disease diagnosis. The reason why credit scores are so low in the South, Braga told Van Dam, has got to be connected to medical debt, because that's the most common type of unpaid bill that people have. But even that wasn't the worst of it. As Van Dam noted when he checked the numbers, Of the 100 counties with the highest share of adults struggling to pay their medical debt, 92 are in the South and the other 8 are in neighboring Oklahoma and Missouri. These were all the 11 states with Republican governors, Republican-controlled legislatures, Republican multimillionaires and billionaires funding editorially conservative newspapers and hate talk radio and TV stations. Which brings us to the very worst of it. Those states of the South, from Texas to Florida excepting Arkansas, along with Missouri and Wyoming, are the 11 states that have, to this day, refused to accept federal funds to pay for the Affordable Care Act expansion of Medicaid, the program that could have saved Charlene Dill's life. Basic Medicaid, dating back to the 1960s, covers the truly indigent, typically people earning less than $3,000 a year, usually because of disability or deeply entrenched regional poverty also can pay for long-term nursing care. But when President Obama pushed the Affordable Care Act through Congress, he expanded the program to cover those who work for a living but earn too little to qualify or even be able to pay for Obamacare insurance, typically people earning between $3,000 and $15,000 a year. It varies by state. Suddenly, because of Obamacare, every low-income, minimum-wage working person in the entire country had access to essentially free health care through Medicaid. Furious, Republican governors sued and took their case all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. In response, the five Republicans on the court gutted the ACA, saying it was unconstitutional for the federal government to require states to offer free health care to their citizens, even if the feds paid over 90% of the cost. Because of that ruling, Greg Abbott brags that he won't give low-income working people in Texas access to Medicaid. Ron DeSantis is proud that he's carrying on Rick Scott's tradition of forcing low-income Floridians into medical debt and terrible credit ratings. Ditto for all the other Republican governors who are, to this day, refusing to expand Medicaid. And Arkansas's new governor, rising GOP star Sarah Huckabee Sanders, just proposed gutting the Medicaid expansion her state adopted, uniquely among southern states, back in 2011— by adding an onerous work requirement to it. Kentucky's Republican Governor Matt Bevins pioneered this in 2018. She hopes to have tens of thousands of uh, Arkansians thrown off Medicaid by January 1st of next year. Rick Scott's refusal to expand Medicaid arguably killed Charlene Dill and thousands of other Floridians every year since. The story is identical in the ten other states where Republican governors and legislators with the blessing of five Republicans on the Supreme Court, appear to delight in denying their citizens access to inexpensive or free health care. In doing so, these Republican governors are not just producing poorer health outcomes. They're proudly keeping their citizens mired in medical debt, thus ruining their people's credit ratings and making it even hard, ever harder for these working-class folks to escape poverty. They're eagerly stressing and destroying families through that medical debt, a well-known cause of divorce, child neglect, and violence against women and children. Some, like Alaska's Republican State Representative David Eastman, who apparently wants to undo Alaska's 2015 expansion of Medicaid, even claim that's a good thing, because when low-income abused children die, they're no longer a cost to his state. Quote, In the case where child abuse is fatal, obviously it's not good for the child, Eastman said, but it's actually a benefit to society, because there aren't needed government services or whatnot over the whole course of that dead child's life. End quote. They're enthusiastically letting people die because without access to Medicaid, they have to put off medical care or, like Charlene Dill, cut their medications in half to be able to buy food for their kids. In other words, refusing to expand Medicaid, withholding access to health care for low-income working people in their states, is a badge of honor for these Republican governors and legislators. And that's the very, very worst of it.